0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams.
1: Many people have forgotten about what happened a couple of weeks ago. Was it three weeks ago? I can't remember now. And that's because I've forgotten about it. And that was the, what I can only call as an insurrection in South Africa. It has damaged the economy. It's damaged the economy at various levels. And I received a really good piece from... Carmen Nell, who's economist and macro strategist at Matrix Fund Managers in Cape Town. It really sort of puts it into perspective. Carmen, when you saw what was unfolding, what do you think? What did you think as both a South African and an economist before we get into the details? What was your initial reaction?
0: Well, I think, firstly, as a South African, it was alarming and it was, was really sad to see all the destruction. Um, you know, I live in Cape Town, so I wasn't in the midst of things. I can only imagine what it would be like if you if you were living um, in KwaZulu-Natal at the time or, or in certain areas of Gauteng. Yes. And then I think from an economist's point of view, um, it was also quite um, alarming and sad in the sense that, you know, we, we have this opportunity of a positive terms of trade shock that's helped our fiscal position that we could have banked on. Um, or built on. And a part of that has been eroded by the social unrest, even though, as you say, a lot of people have sort of now moved on. Um, So I think, you know, as I note in the piece is that, you know, the the focus is very much on the year and now, but I think we, we don't fully appreciate what the long term consequences might be.
1: Well, let's look at those long-term consequences. And the first thing, the first title of your first paragraph in that piece is uh, the following, limited capacity to absorb the damage. In other words, we haven't saved for a rainy day or we haven't been able to save for a rainy day. Maybe you could expand upon that.
0: Yes, I think um, if we look at the state of the economy heading into COVID, it was already quite fragile. Um, The fiscal position required that... Uh, we implement uh, consolidation to some people that would be outright austerity. And then the COVID pandemic hit um, and it hit GDP growth and the economy and employment very hard. Uh, the Reserve Bank did cut rates significantly as it, as it should have done. But then now to deal with the social unrest um, is that we have very little uh, fiscal space. Um, interestingly, yesterday we um, had the announcement from Treasury around the 40 billion rand in support that it will give on a temporary basis. So what it's done is it's taken the the windfall of temporary tax revenues from high commodity prices and it's using it for temporary support. Um, the question is whether we can in the long run absorb the damage or the hit to confidence and potentially to fix investment. And there we actually have very little policy space from a longer run p- perspective.
1: And there are so many different areas that need the small amount of money that's coming in. OK, commodity companies are paying an enormous amount of tax compared to a few years ago. But on the other hand, the pie needs to be sliced up very, very creatively from the finance minister's point of view. And Tito and Mboueni has been talking about that re- recently. Uh, for example, Sasria after the, after the riots, the insurrection. So anyway, the, the, it's a very difficult juggling act. Uh, your second paragraph says employment creation at risk. There's been no employment creation for decades, uh, Carmen, but now even more so. We can't we can't pull back. It seems to me from the mid thirties unemployment or the sixty five percent unemployment in in youth. It just seems like a lost cause to me. Am I being too pessimistic? Well, I
0: think um, sort of the reality of the day is the the employment creation ability and job absorption ability of the economy is very limited, and I'm sure there's loads of research and opinions on why that is. You know, one of them would be that arguably we're not a very dynamic economy because it's so concentrated. So, if we just look at our economy, it tends to be dominated by big firms across a lot of sectors particularly the important network sectors, think about the telcos, think about, you know, energy, it's, it's dominated by Eskom. Whereas, you know, if you think about the hit of COVID and even the unrest, hits a lot of the SMEs, so the small, medium and micro enterprises, which usually would give an economy that entrepreneurial flair, that dynamism, and, and that's what we don't have. And that would normally create job opportunities. So we're back to relying on either large companies um, to employ people, or which has been, as your point is, over the last 10 years, we've been highly reliant on the government um, to employ and pay people.
1: You mentioned dynamic. Why are we not a dynamic Job creator in South Africa when we've got where we're so rich in resources and we've got so many people that want to contribute to the economy. Why is it that we can't uh, we we can't do it? Is it a a government? Is it a government problem? Is it a a from the bottom? Is it a a people problem? This is probably a little bit too big for this discussion, but uh, just a general comment from you on that. Why don't we have this dynamism?
0: I I suppose You could say there are are sort of structural, deep structural constraints such as education, which, you know, take generations to address and improve. Um, I think arguably uh, regulation, um, you know, where your regulatory burden can be absorbed by large companies, the cost and and human resource allocation required, where smaller companies just are not able to do that. Um, Collective bargaining arguably is another sort of labor market constraint um, that, again, hurts SMMEs more than the large companies because often they're not at the negotiation table, but they have to take the consequence of these wage negotiations. Um, and then, again, it's, it's basic infrastructure, transport, high cost of getting to where you need to be. Um, you know, various development agencies have looked at these, but, you know, the cost of looking for a job is quite high. Um, And arguably, that's also then why we we don't have a dynamic labor market or as dynamic as we need.
1: You say the following as well, your third paragraph, ratings risk is a big deal. You say here, the second part of that uh, particular piece, uh, this brings us to the outlook for the sovereign credit rating. It's highly likely that South Africa will fall further into sub-investment territory. How big a deal is that for South Africa?
0: I think some people think it's not that big a deal because we're already in sub-investment grade. So if you recall last year, Moody's finally cut the SA uh, sovereign credit rating into um, sort of junk status, and that's when we had significant uh, capital outflows. Uh, But if you look at it more closely, there is a different, different treatment in terms of if you're a double B versus a single B, which is then a worse credit rating, um, in terms of the cost of, of, of your borrowing. So we already have relatively high government financing costs, and that's been at risk of increasing. And the other thing that's not often appreciated is your reliable access to capital markets uh, may not be as reliable the further down the rating scale you go. So you know, there your your portfolio inflows may may be questioned. Um, for now, it's not a problem. For example, because we have a current account surplus, in other words, we're exporting way more than we're importing. Again, thanks to high commodity prices, but we still have a very large fiscal deficit that that we need to fund, and uh, we re- do rely on foreign investors still partly to fund that deficit. So I think it's an underappreciated risk as this liquidity we might be giving up the further down the rating scale before.
1: Okay, if you were a rating agency uh, employee, a professional sitting down and saying, okay, let's see what's happened in South Africa over the last month or so, what would you be saying to yourself? Would you say, unfortunately, we have to be cautious, we have to downgrade, or would you say that was a once-off moment that attempted insurrection, and uh, therefore we must give them the benefit of the doubt? What would you be saying, Carmen?
0: Well, I certainly think in terms of... Um, With all the ratings agencies or some of them having us on negative outlook, um, I would say we have to give them the benefit of the doubt, not in perpetuity, but to say how are policymakers and how are politicians going to respond to this? So this is an opportunity uh, that they can use to start doing the right things um, in terms of specifically reform. I think the other aspect that a lot of people have already noted is that the – the destruction caused by the looting and the unrest um, actually gives way to a sharper, for example, rebound and growth in the fourth quarter of this year as inventory and stock levels are rebuilt. So I think from a short term perspective, you can't get too carried away. And again, it, it goes to that. What are we doing to ensure that in the long run, we don't bear the cost of the recent social unrest? So what are we going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? So I think benefit of the doubt in the short term Longer run would then be a function of how policymakers respond.
1: Okay, a question here. It says, what then is the answer? Structural reform, full stop. But I've been hearing this for 27 years, uh, Carmen. I've been hearing about, yeah, we've got to structurally reform the economy. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to remove barriers to private enterprise. But nothing happens. Well, some things do happen, but it doesn't go far enough. So what is the answer?
0: Well, I mean, at Matrix, we also, we, you know, we always also question everyone's answer is structural form, but what does it actually mean? Um, and it basically means anything that lowers the cost of living here, of doing business here, and then importantly creates jobs because that's what we need to do. Now, granted, you know, some of these things are very high up in the air and sort of not easily achievable. Um, But some of the other things in theory are quite, if you just think about the spectrum auction, you know, um, access um, to the internet, the cost of the internet. um, Those are things that should uh, have fallen a lot further than they have so far, um, giving people access. I mean, as I mentioned before, the deep seated issues will take longer, such as education. Um, But you sort of need to free up a bit of that red tape on SMMEs again, to be able to create jobs. And, Unfortunately, and again, this is why it's an opportunity is reforms are required when they are least sort of politically um, able to be done, you know, because it's, it's a short term pain for what should then be a long term gain in terms of higher potential growth and the ability to create jobs.
1: You talk about the short, medium and long term impacts. And in each of those short, medium and long term pieces, you say, number one, growth, number two, inflation, number three, fiscal position, number four, sovereign credit ratings, and number five, monetary policy. And obviously, there's a um, a differing policy response that needs to be addressed uh, in the short, medium and long term. But do you think this might have shocked uh, policy makers into action or do you think as I said earlier on this was just a once-off moment and people have forgotten about it?
0: No I, I think it, 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 it's a potential shock to politicians and policy makers Uh, You did see, for example, last week when the Reserve Bank held their monetary policy committee meeting, a lot of people were thinking that they were going to revise growth growth upwards and maybe signaling rate hikes. But the social unrest, which followed or or coincided with level four lockdown, um, certainly gave pause for thought to say, okay, even though we might be somewhat concerned about potential inflation risks, we have to at least remain somewhat accommodative. Um, to give the economy a bit of breathing room, um, so I do think it is it is a it is a wake up call. Despite what the original triggers were for the social unrest, it is that you know people are feeling the pressure, um, and you know we we have to be able. The the, the finance minister said it yesterday as well. Um, we need to create jobs. We can't just you know hand out grants. And I think that's a longer term concern. Is that you know the the fiscal pressure. Uh, becomes so much bigger in an environment where, you know, our ability to raise taxes is actually quite limited. It's not impossible to fund it, but it would help if we we grew faster because then you can create jobs alongside rolling out grants.
1: How do we get this piece? Because it's a, it was very insightful, if I may say so, Carmen. How do we access this piece?
0: You can go onto our website, which is Matrix Fund Managers, if you just Google it. Um, And it's under our News and Insights section. Um, So for anyone who is interested, it is publicly available on our website.
1: Carmen, thanks so much for your insight. That's Carmen Nell, Economist and Macro Strategist at Matrix Fund Managers in the Western Cape. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or position